Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. Father, we pray you open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. Gal Einaiva Avitani Flaot Me Techa Hashem Yeshua, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for all that you do, God, in our lives. Amen. Amen. Well, the 40th day of counting the Omer will be this coming Monday evening on the Jewish calendar, 40 days after Passover, 40 days after Yeshua, the Lamb of God's sacrifice. Yeshua's ascension was likely after 40 days of his resurrection. In Orthodox Christian circles, interesting, it's observed this coming Thursday, 39 days after the resurrection Sunday, but we'll address it next Shabbat, God willing. That's the plan. I'm not going to address it today, but next Shabbat, God willing. Um, Today is the 37th day of the counting of the Omer of 50 days from Passover to Pentecost. Last week we mentioned we need to be praying daily uh, about our crop outcome. Our harvest depends upon it. You know, a harvest doesn't just happen. Revivals and great awakenings, they don't just happen. They don't just happen to happen. Did you know that? You say, well, God just decides that, you know, it just happens to happen. No, they don't just happen. Revivals, Great Awakening, they're not accidental or incidental. They're intentional, uh, and they're a result of a praying people. Many believers around the world are actually praying an hour daily uh, that around the world many believers are praying uh, for Israel and, and and, and for revival. And on the 28th, there's going to be a special mobilization of that happening. But many are praying an hour daily until Shavuot, Uh, for this to happen, for salvation for Israel. But clearly, the harvest is coming. And the question is, will it be bountiful or will it be pitiful? Will it be abundant or will it be abysmal? It depends upon prayer. Our prayers and the prayers of others. Really, it really does. Matthew 39, verses 37, 38 says this. Then he said to his disciples... The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I'm going to read it from my Bible so that back up a little bit. Yeshua was going around all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and sickness. Every kind of disease and sickness. Imagine that. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said the statement to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's there for the picking. But who will pick it? 
says, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest. He is the Lord. He's in control. He's the one who gives the harvest that he may send out. And the word in the Greek, if I remember right, balo, I believe it is balo, to thrust out. It's a forcible word that he may thrust out workers into his harvest field. So as we pray, God sends. You know, we meet to mobilize to do mission, really. That's what it's all about. We meet in order to mobilize to, to go out, to, to, to be sent out. And so Luke 18, verse 1, Yeshua said, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. I like the old King James translation of that. It's translated different ways, but I like it that. Men, Yeshua, he taught them, people ought always to pray and don't be discouraged. Don't quit. Don't faint. Don't stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Don't quit. Don't give up. Uh, David says, evening, morning, and noon, I pray. When do you pray? How about evening, morning, and noon? Uh, that's Psalm 55, verse 17. Cry out, evening, morning, and noon. You know, day starts with the evening in Jewish calendar, right? In Jewish life. Uh, Watchman Nee said this. How many know, re ever read Watchman Nee? I used to read a lot of Watchman Nee when I was an early believer. He was amazing. Uh, I believe he, was he martyred for his faith? I believe he did. I know that. I think they cut off his hands in prison um, in, in China. And he, uh, but Watchman Nee, amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. I have a lot of his books. Our prayers lay the track down on which God's power can come. Like a mighty locomotive, his power is irresistible, but it cannot reach us without rails. So it's got to have the rails. So the train wants to come. The train wants to come, but prayer is the, uh, the, the, are the rails upon which the, the answer, the power of God, comes train. And so there are so many. You know, prayer is individual and prayer is collective or corporate. Prayer, we pray individually but we, and we pray collectively together. And both are important. Both are important. There are many, many mighty prayer warriors in the Bible. Um, Jeremiah 15.1 says, Then Adonai said to me, even if, listen to this, if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my soul could not be toward this people. God's, God singles out Moses and Samuel as specific men that had great influence upon him to change his mind to what he was going to do, to influence him about what he's going to do in terms of his, his people. Um, and he said, even in that case, he said, even they couldn't do it. But he said, Moses and Samuel... Here's another interesting verse, Ezekiel 14, 14. Even if these three men be in the place, he said, they would only deliver their own souls by their righteousness. He said, but they couldn't. But these three men, and who are they? Noah, Daniel, and Job singles out. If Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they would deliver their own souls. But then the power of one... Here's, a, here's some great verses that came to my mind about it. Prayer. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. I sought for a man among them who would make up a wall, make a wall, and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. 
I sought for one person, for one person, sought for a man on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found how many? Yeah, none. Found no one. No one. That's right. Ezekiel 22.30. Or Jeremiah 5, verse 1. Run to and fro throughout the streets of Jerusalem. He says, if you can find a man, if you can find one person, if there is anyone who executes judgment, who seeks the truth, and I'll pardon her. I'll pardon her. All I need is one. Abraham. Daniel. Abraham interceding over Sodom. Daniel and praying. How he prayed. Incredible. And he was resisted, remember, by the prince of Persia at one point for, I think, was it three weeks? Three weeks. What's that? Yeah, 21 days. And his prayer was resisted, but he prayed. He continued to pray. Uh, Nehemiah. Oh, praying for the rebuilding of the walls. These are intercessors. Job, we mentioned already, was mentioned. Paul, of course. Paul interceding for Israel and, uh, and, and for the body of Messiah. Sarah. Hannah. Amazing woman. Hannah praying. Uh, Ruth. Abigail. Abigail's one of my favorite women in the Bible. Abigail. Amazing. Elizabeth. And Mary, of course, Mary. There's several Marys, you know. I guess that was a popular name in their time. What are you going to name your daughter? Name Mary. <laughs> Miriam. Um, but they were all amazing. Listen to this, this invitation by God. Not only an invitation, but it's a challenge by God. Psalm 2, verse 8. Now, it's of the Messiah, but we, it's, it's by application to all of us. Ask of me. And I will give the nations as your inheritance and the far reaches of the earth as your possession. God says, ask of me, ask of me, ask of me, and I'll give you. I'll give you. The harvest will come. Ask of me. But you've got to ask. You've got to ask. Now, I want to ask you a question. Did you ever hear it criticized of someone? He prays too much or she prays too much. I haven't. That person prays too much. No. I mean, you can't pray too much. And 1 Thessalonians 5.18, by the way, does say, or 5.17, I think, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Continue to pray. Now you say, well, how do I pray when I, my job? I'll, I'll lose my job if I keep praying. <laughs> well, you, you, you know, the, the idea, I, I heard the best analogy of that was, and it always stuck with me in a, a book on, uh, anyway, and it, and it said, it's like if you have a cough, like a, a bothersome cough, and every so often, you know, there's a tickle in your throat, and all of a sudden, <coughs> and then you've got to cough again, and there's, there it comes. <coughs> so it's sort of like that, like you're, you're, you're just, so you're always ready to pray. You're always going to, you know, it's not like you're constantly praying, although, you know, it says be instant and constantly praying. Colossians 4.2 says it well, as well as 4.2 or 4.12, I think both. But... But the idea is you're always ready to pray. We're conscious. We're thinking about the Lord. He's always forefront in our mind. I've set the Lord always before him. And we're always ready to pray. You can't always pray, but you're always ready to. You're always, he's, he's the foremost in our minds. And the Holy Spirit's able to pray sometimes without words, without words and groanings in Romans chapter 8 says. So, but we can't pray too much. 
Now, I do know of, of sometimes, we know of people sometimes in public, public prayer meetings who go on a little too long. Now, you, know, you always have to be careful, you know, when you're in a certain meeting and say, ask someone to pray and say, uh-oh, I shouldn't have asked that person. <laughs> we, some of us in the leadership, we all know those situations. So. And there's a little funny story about D.L. Moody. You know, he, he had a problem with someone. He'd say, so he would, he would have a, he would had a, he had a, this is the way he would resolve. He'd say, he could say, he would get up and he'd say, while our brother is finishing his prayer, let us turn to him number. <laughs> okay, that might offend somebody, but that's okay. All right, so when, Dan, when Daniel found out uh, from the scriptures about, there's a time to pray, a lengthy prayer, and there's a time to also be simple, you know, to be concise. It depends on context when you are, obviously. Uh, when Daniel found out from the scriptures about the 70 years of captivity of the Israelites uh, and the desolation of Jerusalem, he, he says, then I set my face, in Daniel 9, verses 3 and 4, I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting. So he didn't just say, well, it's going to happen. Well, I, I, there's nothing I can do about it. I'll just complain about it. I'll just worry about it. Sometimes we worry rather than pray, right? And the scripture says, don't do that. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the, what will happen? The peace of God, the shalom of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds through Messiah Yeshua. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. It'll mount a military guard around your heart and your mind, your emotions. You know. So instead of worrying, sometimes we just worry about something. We just think about it instead of pray about it and giving it to God. And, or we fear instead of pray. And, the, the, and Daniel, or we just do nothing. Or we just complain. Or we just tell somebody else to go to somebody else instead of to God first. Go to God first. doesn't mean it's wrong to tell someone else and get them to agree, but get them to agree with you in prayer then about it. Get them, tell someone, then say, let's two or three agree. Matthew, what is it? Let's, let's agree on this and pray. And uh, Daniel said with prayer, he made requests so that, uh, so that and, and God was going to act. And I love the story. Look at 1 Kings 18. Let's go look at this story because I it's just a nice story that we haven't probably looked at in a while. First Kings 18, Elijah. Elijah was Eliyahu. Eliyahu Hanavi. He's Eli Elijah is, says to Ahab in verse eight, chapter 18, verse 41, Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there's a sound of rain. So he makes this declaration by faith that the rain is coming. There's been no rain. And uh, this is after the, the, the victory on Mount Carmel. The prophets of Baal are slain. And uh, he says, there's going to be rain. There's been no rain. He says, there's a sound of rain. He's saying that by faith. So Ahab, his servant, went up to eat and drink. But Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, all the way to the top of the mountain.
Harness your chariot. going to bring the rain and I'm, and we're praying and we announce he announced it and he wasn't passive <laughs> he wasn't passive about it uh, they continued to pray even though there was no evidence of an answer now Yeshua was the greatest person of prayer think about it Yeshua on earth as a as a as a man as a human as a human he's the God man El Gabur I translate as God man in Isaiah 9 6 or 9 5 and 6 El Gabur God and man, same time. He was the God-man, totally both, same time. And he was the greatest person of prayer. In Isaiah 53, verse 12, it says he made intercession. He bore our, he bore our sins, and he made intercession. He bore our sins, and he made intercession for the transgressors. He's an intercessor. In Mark 1.35, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, this was his custom, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. So that's what he did. And then in John 17, it says twice, he said, I ask on their behalf, verses 9 and 20, I ask on their behalf. And I'm going to look at that for just a minute. But this is where he prays. He prays for his disciples and then later for all believers. He says, I've made your name known. Uh, you, you gave it to me. I, they've, kept your, they've kept your word. And he says, the words that you gave me, I've given them. I ask on their behalf, not on behalf of the world do I ask, but on, their, on behalf of those you've given me, for they are yours. So he's interceding for the disciples. Interceding, and then he prays for others, for all believers. He pray on, I pray not on behalf of these only, but also, verse 20, on those who believe in me through their message, that they may be one. And so he's interceding, and I think this is a window into what he's doing even now, right now as our Kohen Gadol, as our high priest, right? He's interceding. In Hebrews 7.25, it says he ever lives to make intercession for us right now. So he's interceding, and there's, I think, a, a glimpse of that maybe here in John 17. Uh, in Hebrews 5.7, this is a very peculiar verse. I don't know if you've thought about this one, but it said that Yeshua when he was on earth, offered up both prayers and pleas with loud crying and tears to the one who was able, the one who able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence, because of his fear for, of God. So he offered up both prayers and pleas. Now, he, he didn't say, in other words, he didn't just say, well, it'll be what it is. God, whatever you're, it's, it's whatever you're, no, he prayed, he interceded, he cried with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard. You say, what? He was heard, but he died. Yes, but he was resurrected too, right? He died, but he was resurrected. God heard his prayer, and everything worked. But the prayers he prayed, if he needed to pray, 
How much more do we need to pray? Don't think that things are just going to be what they are. Don't have this uh, neutral attitude about things. Don't think, well, it'll be what it'll be. No, it's not that way. We have make a difference. Our prayers make a difference. Your prayers make a difference. One person's prayers and collective prayers make a difference. The power of one. Listen, uh, I thought of uh, this illustration. Our air conditioner you know, wasn't cooling at all last week. Uh, I realized we turned it on for the first time because I've been keeping the windows open. And someone said, we leak. We all leak. <laughs> and I thought about that. You know, that's true. We leak, and we need to, so we need to add coolant to our, you know, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to pray. We leak. We don't, it's not like, well, I prayed enough, and that's enough. No, we need more prayer. We need to pray. We need to keep our prayer lives up, right? And uh, otherwise, if we don't, we leak, and we freeze up. We can freeze up, and then it's really bad. The power of one and the power of many, though. There's individual prayer, and there's collective prayer. Boy, Leviticus 6, verse 8 says, Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will put, how many? 10,000 to flight. Wow. So in Acts 1.14, the hundred, seems like there were 120 plus, because it says about, they were waiting, they were waiting for 10 days after Yeshua's ascension. They were waiting, and he, guess what? He didn't say wait 10 days and then... I'm going to send the Spirit at Pentecost, and then this is going. He didn't say that. I don't know if you realize that. He didn't give them any timeline. He just said, wait. They didn't know how long. They didn't know how long. They were just waiting. And they, but they knew, they were told to wait, and they, entered into, they knew to enter into prayer. They prayed in Acts 1.14. They inter, went together, and they prayed, and and uh, after the persecution, they prayed when they, in Acts chapter 4. When they were persecuted, they went to prayer. And every time, at every impasse, if you follow it in the book of Acts, at the impasse, when things happen, they turn to prayer, and then God would act. God would work. Uh, the harvest is coming. And again, I ask, will it be bountiful? Will it be bountiful or will it be pitiful? Will it be abundant or will it be abysmal? It depends upon our prayer. Now, it really does. depends upon our prayers. Now, I mentioned last week the weather changes a lot here in Middle Tennessee. And with all our power to control so much, I mentioned, I repeat from last week, that we cannot control the weather. And uh, as I said, artificial intelligence or AI changes, is changing the economic landscape, medical health, medical health, Scientific fields are advancing, but we still cannot stop uh, droughts or floods or tornadoes or hurricanes. And the farmers of biblical times understood that they were dependent upon God, and they were praying to him for the ultimate welfare and outcome for their crops. They were praying. So as we approach Shavuot this time of year, and we're getting close and closer to it, we have the this understanding of the grain harvest. The month of Aviv, it's called Nisan, Nisan today, is the month during which barley and wheat reach the stage of growth and development where the stalks harden and the kernels fill, they fill with grain. So 
The biblical Israeli society was a, an agrarian one, and they depended upon God for the crops via the weather. No modern, there was no modern drip irrigation method, methods that we have as we have today in Israel, in, invented in Israel. It's amazing, the innovation in Israel. It, it actually, you know, the, 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 that's the system. It delivers the cor exactly correct amount of water and nutrients directly to the roots of the plant at the right time so that the plant receives exactly what it requires for the maximum growth. Well, it's amazing. What, that's what you have today in Israel. But they didn't have that then in biblical times. And in the book uh, by Noah, Noah uh, Haruvenu, Haruveni, Nature in Our Biblical Heritage, she writes, during the 50 days between Passover and Shavuot, we had the phenomena of climate prevailing in the land of Israel. On the one hand, the cold northern wind and rain. And on the other hand, the scorching heat of the southern wind, the chamsin, we mentioned last week, that hot southern wind. Each of these 50 days could bear either blessing to the crops or irreparable disaster. A lengthy danger-filled period ending with a wheat harvest and shouts of joy, but daily trepidation for the fate of the crops in which so much toil had been invested. The farmers would count off each day with great trepidation and with prayers to get through these 50 days without crop damage. During the 50-day period, there's daily trepidation for the fate of the grain crop and for the blossoming, pollination, and early development of the fruit of the rest of the seven varieties we mentioned last week, especially of the grape and the olive. Only at the end of the counting of the omer comes the release from the apprehension and tension expressed in the offering of the new grain from the just-harvested wheat. Okay, I'm repeating this from last week, but I think it's just so amazing. The northern winds, which blow over Israel between Passover and Shavuot, frequently bring rain and are most beneficial to the wheat if they blow during the wheat's early stages of ripening while it's still young. This is, I didn't share last week. But the same wind can wreak havoc on the older crop if the buds have already opened into flowers. Olive blossoms need successive days of dry heat so they'll open, allowing the pollen to reach the pistils for pollination. But if the heat wave is too brief and pollination is, has, has, has not, been, is not been completed before the cold northern wind comes, the olive flowers may be blown away or washed off by rain. The same danger threatens the grape, pomegranate, and date flowers. Therefore, this northern wind can, at one and the same time, be a blessing to the wheat and a curse to the olives if it comes after they have blossomed, but before they have been pollinated. You got that? I don't. Okay, I'm glad you do. Someone else. Okay. <laughs> it's really... On the other hand... <laughs> A prolonged dry southern wind is good for the olive as well as for the grape, date, and pomegranate crops, but can devastate the wheat and barley crops if it comes before the kernels have filled with starch, for then the, gra the, the grain will be scorched and the crop decimated. 
It, this, it, this is really cool stuff. I don't know, it blows me away. In the temple, the bread of the presence, the showbread, or the bread of the present, the lechem hapanim in Hebrew, represents, would represent, representing the wheat, and the, was representing the wheat and the barley. And it was placed facing the direction of the northern wind. The menorah, I think I saw the menorah over there, yeah, the menorah over there, or the lampstand, the menorah, or the lampstand, lit with olive oil, faced the direction of the southern wind. Now, where are we? This east. I don't know. Placed together, they symbolized, here it is, the plea to God the creator that each wind come at the right time. Let the northern wind come bring, come bring the first weeks after Passover, giving wheat and barley a chance to fill with starch, leaving the olive buds closed. Let the southern wind come only after the grain kernels have filled and the stalks hardened, but let it prevail until the flowers of the olive, grape, date, and pomegranate have been pollinated. So that's what it represents. But even if these prayers are answered, disaster can still occur after the grain has ripened, during the wheat harvest. Heavy rain can occur during this season, and the ripe, heavy-eared wheat can suffer from a downpour or by, or by rotting from moisture at high temperatures. And this is why the Jewish people cried to the prophet Samuel to, in 1 Samuel chapter 12, to pray for us to the Lord your God to save us from death, to pray to save them from starvation that would follow the destruction of the grain crop from the heavy rain that he prophesied to fall on them as a judgment for their asking when they asked for a king. They insisted on a king, and so God sent the heavy rain as judgment, and they prayed, Lord, save us from death, from that. So the fate of the seven varieties all the crops that we have mentioned, they depend on the delicate balance and the exact timing of opposing forces of nature during the, this critical period between Passover and Shavuot, between Pesach, Passover, and Feast of Weeks, or and Bikurim and you know, Shavuot, Feast of Weeks. So, by application, timing, listen, timing is everything. And we're totally dependent upon God to bring just precisely the right balance of wind and wet, if you will. We do not want him to judge us for our disobedience and rebellion against him. We pray. Psalm 31, verse 15 says, My times, Lord, are in your hand. Amen? And he brings, we bring forth fruit, the tree brings forth fruit in its time in Psalm 1, verse 3. God is on time. God is on time. You know, in, in Acts chapter 2, it says that they were gathered together when the time had fully come. They were gathered together as one. Shavuot had come. They were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven that sound like a mighty rushing wind. They were together, and the time had fully come. But because he's on time, because they were praying, and we're, because we pray. My times are in your hand, but because we pray. He's, there's a balance, beautiful balance that only God can bring. 
a bruised reed he will not break in Isaiah 42, verse 3. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. He won't do it. Thank God. Zechariah 4, 6 says, Not by might, nor by power, but by what? My spirit. That was one of my favorite songs last night they, they sang. It was an amazing song. Not by might, nor by power, not by force, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We need God's opposing forces. And he sends them. He sends them. The cold and the hot, the wet and the dry. Whenever any force is applied to an object, there's an equal and opposite force applied back. We call the two forces opposing forces. You know, the swimmer applies a force to the wall when he kicks it, and the wall applies a force back to the swimmer. This makes him move forward. Though he kicks backward, he moves forward. Opposing forces. Always two opposing forces in nature, plus and minus, north, south. One can't exist without the other. In every phenomenon, we see an integration of two opposing forces. Negative force is no less vital than the positive. Both are beneficial and must exist in harmony. In Israel's climate, the cold northern wind with the rain and the hot, dry southern wind. Well, how about in closing? How about for us? What opposing forces does God designate and send for us? Think about it. Pleasure, maybe pleasure and pain. Gain and loss. Answers and questions. Promises and disillusionments. Joy and sorrow. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, my aim, Paul says this, my aim is to know him, my goal is to know him, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship, the sharing of his, what? Sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And it eventuates in resurrection. Both are needed. Both come work together. I know what it is, Paul said in verse chapter 4, to live with humble means. I know what it is to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of contentment. He said, I know how to be filled and I know how to go hungry. No problem. No problem. To live, to have abundance and to suffer need. I can do all things through Messiah who what? Strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 says, no problem. I told you the story before of the Korean veterinarian on the mission ship, every time things broke down and everything, things went wrong, he'd say, no problem. Everyone would be panicking. He'd no problem. God always came through. The harvest is coming. I was the chaplain of the ship, and so he was like, I was so thankful to this guy. He kept, always kept things calm. The harvest is coming. Will it be bountiful or will it be pitiful? Will it be abundant or will it be abysmal? It depends upon prayer prayers, our prayers and the prayers of others. We pray individually, we pray together, and the Lord is going to bring a great harvest, and we are a part of it. We're a part of seeing it happen. Ask of me, and I'll give it to you. We're going to see it. We're going to see it. He uses, but he uses the opposing forces in our lives. It's a part of it, and 
thank you, Lord, for all that you, your plan, which is perfect, your timing is perfect as well. Father, we thank you, God, for this period between Pesach and Shavuot, Passover and Pentecost, and the, the, the timing we're in, the time to pray, a time to seek you, a time to make a difference, Lord. Uh, we might think we just have a little part, but we have a big part. One person's please, one cry is a big cry. One tear is a big tear. One sentence is a big sentence when it's prayed from the heart through the power of your spirit, out of, out of a heart that loves you, that's submitted to you, that's yielded to you. We thank you, Lord, for your, for your, your great power and control of everything, Lord. We bless you. If you've never trusted Yeshua, always want to give an invitation. If you're watching today, if you're listening, if you're here, if you've never given yourself to Yeshua, to God, Give yourself to him now. Say, Lord, I want to submit to you. I want to yield to you. God, I need you. Thank you for sending Yeshua, Jesus, to die for my sins. Lord, I want to turn over the, the control to you, of, from me to you, of my life today. I want a new start. Come into my life. Take over, Lord. You, do, you can do a better job than I have. And we can together get through this. And do much better and have a new start and do great. Do really well. Do really well. He'll forgive you. He'll wash you. He'll make you new. He, the Bible says all, he makes all things new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And let us know if you're praying, making that prayer today. Let someone know the prayer. Some, let's stand. Some prayer folks are going to come up here. Prayer warriors are going to come up here now to pray. If you need prayer, you need a touch of God in your life, you feel free to join them. That, these people are seasoned warriors of prayer, and they will agree with you. But don't, don't miss it. Don't miss the opportunity. If you're praying online, contact us, and, uh, and we will uh, contact you back. And uh, Father, we just thank you and praise you. Shem Yeshua. Yasem lecha shalom. Vishem Yeshua Hamashiach Sarha shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the ruler of peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.